Today is April 5th. Welcome to Native Calgarian. Oki, Naganago Mekochi Chestokom Aki. My name is Red Thunder Woman. My married English name is Michelle Robinson, and I use she and her pronouns. Native Calgarian is being recorded on the lands of the Nitsitapi, which is the Blackfoot Confederacy. The Blackfoot south of the imposed U.S.-Canadian border are the Blackfeet. North of the border are the Siksika, Ganai, and Begani of the Confederacy. These lands are Treaty 7, signed September 22, 1877, with signatories that include the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Stony Nakoda, composed of the Wesley, Chiniki, and Bearspaw Nations, and the Dene from Sutina. I acknowledge all First Nation, Métis, Inuit, status and non-status across Turtle Island as the keepers of these lands. All non-Indigenous are treaty partners with the government signing on your behalf. I honour the Blackfoot. I was born in Calgary, or in Blackfoot, Mokinstis, as Michelle Elliott, another English name which has afforded me privilege in an English colonial world. My mother is Northern Slavey Dene, or Satu Dene, but my Indian Act and Post Status Card by the Canadian government says Yellow Knives Dene. My father is so Canadian that I am a daughter of the Mayflower and a daughter of the American Revolution, while having an Indian Act and Post Status Card. I acknowledge my Dene lineage and that I was born in Calgary, but my family is not part of the Treaty 7 signatories. My Dene lineage roots me in the land of the Hare people, also called the Great Bear Lake people in Treaty 11. I'm a native to Turtle Island, and my Dene nation is a visitor to this area of Klincho Tene Indahe in Satu Dene, meaning Many Horse Town, named after the Calgary Stampede. Land acknowledgements are critical for creating a safer space for Indigenous as well as honoring the host as, as a guest. Um, my humblest apologies to the Blackfoot elders and language keepers as I try to learn proper pronunciation. My mistakes, uh, any mistakes or misinterpretations will be on me. I encourage questions so that misunderstandings can be cleared up as soon as possible. I do not speak on behalf of all Indigenous, but I share what I know as I walk down the red road. If you're experiencing emotional distress after anything we talk about today and want to talk, call the First Nation and Inuit Hope for Wellness Helpline at 1-855-242-3310. It is toll-free and open 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Non-Indigenous, there are distress centres in your area too. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian. Thank you to my previous donors for showing your support to my show. If you value listening and can afford to give, thank you. For those that cannot afford to give, but listen in, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com. You can send in your comments or questions. We are also on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And I want to give a shout out to my super loyal donors, Adam, Alexandria, Beatrice, Brian, Celine, Diana, Jocelyn, Judy, Karen, Kenna, Leah, Marisa, uh, Natalie, Nathan, Rebecca, The Sprawl, Tiffany, Vanessa, and Veronica. So, today I am really honored to have a guest with me, and I have Marigold on the line. Marigold, thank you for coming on to Native Calgarian. Yes, hi. <laughs> Marigold, do you want to tell the audience um, who you are and, and kind of where you come from and a bit about who you are? Um, so, I live in Calgary. And um, I'm 10 years old, and I'll be turning 11 in May. And I'm an international runway model, a public speaker, and I have a business making and selling headbands. Wow. What's your business in selling headbands called? 
Um, it's called Marigold's Heart Garden. Marigold's Heart Garden. Thank you. I will um, promote that when I when I list this one, just so that people can uh, go to it. That's great. So, yeah. So you're an international runway model. Do you want to tell yeah. me all about that? Um. So I've been to Milan, New York, two times. Um. Also, I've been to Paris and Vancouver, Toronto, just all over the world. Yeah. No, that's pretty incredible. What were those experiences like? Oh my God! It was like Right before the show, I was, like, super nervous, but then um, I did it, and I was, like, chill for while I was doing it, and then when I went back, backstage, I was, like, ah, I'm yeah, I just did it. Even though it was, like, the 10th time I did it, I was, like, I freak out every time I'm done because, like, oh, my God, this is so cool. That's amazing. I'm really happy for you, Marigold. Um, you've Thank been you. really political and uh, supportive of my political career for years. And when I first met you, I think you were Little Miss uh, Calgary. Is Calgary, that? Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to say what that title was again, in case I got it wrong? Um. Yeah, Little Miss Calgary it was just like a pageant in 2016. Yeah. 2016. That seems like forever ago. So if you're 10. Yeah. Uh, that you you were six when I first met you. Yeah. Wow. And you door knocked with me when I ran for city council, yeah. which I can't <laughs> thank you enough for. That's for certain. And um, so that's how I know you. And I I've been watching you and your mom post pictures about you going to well all over the world doing modeling, and I've been super happy for you. <laughs> um, you know, I had a girlfriend when I was growing up, and her um. I don't know how she got into it, but she ran for uh, Miss Teen Red Deer, and then she was crowned Miss Red Deer when she turned 18. And uh, I really value that friendship that I had with her, and I, I'm watching you and thinking of her a lot, so I'm really happy for you. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, I wanted to, I was talking with your mom, just kind of, uh, I don't know, about anything, just doing a check-in with her, and... Um, she was telling me that you've actually done research on the plague and things like that. Yes. <laughs> so I want you to have the floor and just walk me through why you got interested in researching about pandemics and what you've learned. Okay, so I don't know, but I've always just been so interested in it. Like, I don't know, because it's like, it can go so detailed, or you can just keep it very simple. Like, you can go into like cells and relatives of diseases and it's just like it can get confusing like very confusing but it's also like really fun for me <laughs> well what sure. makes me happy about that is that you're really into science then that's what you just told me you're into science and one we need more women in science but what an interesting coincidence that right now <laughs> as we're going through the COVID-19 pandemic yeah. and we're seeing all these strong women who are are you know medical doctors and medical professions they're the ones taking the floor over anybody over Justin Trudeau or our premier it's or anybody mm -hmm. I actually have a friend um and her mom is caring for coronavirus patients so yeah yeah. So what, I guess, out of the uh, research that you've done, how do you relate this to the COVID-19 pandemic that we're going through right now? Um, so I can I'm gonna, uh, compare it to Spanish flu. Um, so Spanish flu had 20 to 50 million deaths and COVID-19 has only 67,260. Um, Spanish flu has confirmed cases 500 million. 
COVID-19 has 1,237,420, and COVID-19 has 252,944 recovered patients. Um, and I'm not sure about that for the Spanish flu, but... Ah, yeah, I guess we didn't keep that kind of data, did we? Yeah, and also um, coronavirus does have a similar um, mortality rate to the Spanish flu, um, seasonal flu, sorry, um, Spanish flu, yeah. About it's about like two and a half to um three, so yeah, three percent. Wow. And would you know offhand? And I don't mean to put you on the spot. What the seasonal flu death rate is? Um, I'm pretty sure it's yeah, zero point one. Zero point one. Okay, so that's yeah. why you compare it to the Spanish flu because the, the mortality rate is very similar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Well, thank you for that background because I think it's amazing that you can tell anybody that. Um, and I guess uh, when it comes to, so we're talking about the Spanish flu. Did you get a chance to um, like read a lot about World War One? Is that why you kind of stumbled upon that? Um, no, I don't. I'm not learning about that in school yet. Wow. Well, I know that the Spanish flu and World War One are kind of correlated, so that's why I thought maybe mm, there was a connection. Yeah. Uh, what about smallpox? Have you researched into that at all? Um, I think I researched like a little bit, but I'm not totally sure about it. Yeah, no, that's fine. I think um, knowing and seeing that the Spanish flu is very similar is very, very clever of you. Um, I did very similar research right away. I went through the old Calgary Herald archives that I have in the house. I went through Mm. um, uh, church's basement records. And unfortunately, that didn't turn up anything. But on Twitter, Mm. there's a fellow named Harry, and he does a lot of historian um, type um, articles and he has his mm. pinned tweet right now and it's on the Spanish flu. So I will send it to you immediately because it's, um, the <laughs> reason, yeah, no, the reason why I love it so much is that, uh, one of the terms that's been kind of irritating me is the term unprecedented. And the reason, uh, yeah, it, it, it's, it's yeah. bothering me because we actually do have, you know, an example almost exactly a hundred years ago of something similar that has happened, that is happening to us right now. And the best way to learn from, you know, in in a current situation is to learn your history and know the history. So to me, making those parallels with Spanish flu was really important to me as well. So, Mm -hmm. and in that article, he talked about how the schools had closed and how a lot of things were forced to close Mm -hmm. because of a result of it. And at that time, um, there was a lot of really low morale because the World War I vets were, well, and at that time, they just called it the Great War. Um, All -hmm. of the vets from the Great War were coming home and they were sick with the Spanish flu. And, you know, four years of a war had really drained everybody, right? So, um, you know, that uh, is something that I, I think about how different that situation is to compared to us right now, because we're not really um, having to worry about somebody bombing us right now. Um, yeah. You know, like we don't have the threat yeah. of, you know, sending all of the men in our life, whether it's our sons, our dads, our, our husbands into a war. Like we don't have that yeah. threat. Right. So like I, I'm trying to always be grateful for the small things that are, you know, different mm-hmm. than it was then. And that's why yeah. I talk a lot about the Great War when talking about the Spanish flu. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. uh, anyway, really good article. I will send it to you right after that. And then, um, and then too, it helps normalize, you know, this isn't the first time the stampede didn't run. 
Um, yeah. We, now, technically, the Calgary Stampede has not said we're not going to have a stampede. But yeah, what are your thoughts? Do you think we'll have have to uh, cancel a stampede this year? Um, it's most likely yes because um, it takes like two weeks up to two weeks for somebody to realize that they're infected. Yes. Um, and then in that span of two weeks, they're contagious. In the span of when they get it and when they realize they, they get symptoms, um, they are contagious, so they can spread it around. And those people who spread it, who got it from that person, can infect it to other people. So, yeah, it gets really, like, you know, it has that, like, delay. So, yeah, that was another reason I really liked starting to research um, the um, other virus was because to me, what it what it did show, too, was that we have different waves when it comes to um, what's going to be happening. Right. Mm -hmm. So to me, that really mattered to me that. um, Yeah. Yeah. That we would have, uh, you know, other waves to be thinking about so that even if we you know, self-isolate for the next few months that yeah. there will still be another wave, won't there? Yeah. Um, something I'm really also worried about is how long the coronavirus will last because Spanish flu um, last lasted over one year. So, yes. Yeah. Yes. I'm so grateful that I can't believe that I have a more intelligent conversation with a 10-year-old who's actually done some research because I'm not going to lie, I'm quite frustrated with the amount of misinformation out there. Yeah. Yeah. So have you been following any of that? You know, yeah, there's lots of... When I was in Italy, um, when I was at the airport, that was when there was the first developed case when I was leaving. Yeah. And like every single person there was wearing like a mask. What did you think of that? It was, like, kind of scary, but, like, it was kind of, like, way different than how my normal life is. Yeah. Like, kind of. Wow. So do you think that we should all be wearing masks? Um, I'm not sure, but what we should do now is stay home and, yeah, stay home, definitely. Ah. So I have a fun fact for you that I was going to surprise you and your mom with, but I actually know Dina Henshaw. I grew up with her. Wow. I know. Isn't that a small world? Wow. <laughs> it's a super small world. So my husband is just, he graduated a year ahead of me and Dina and her and, and him went to school together. But because our, our school at the time was so itty bitty, um, we actually, you know, knew, everybody knew each other. Like we're all kind of family. And uh, which is kind of weird because now Dr. Dina Hinshaw is Dr. Dina Hinshaw. And to me, she's just Dina. So, um, huh. right. But I, I guess, too, it also shows how small the world is. Right. And um, anyway, I just want you to feel inspired with with continuing that world of um, yeah. when it comes to why did I not like you on Facebook? I wonder if it just kicked me off of you. Anyway, I'm sending you a message with that uh, uh, article because um, it's one of my favorite things to talk about with other people. And especially when they start using terms like unprecedented, I don't know, it bothers me a lot because this has happened. Yeah. Yeah. And it has happened in the past. And even here locally in Calgary, as as a settler community, you know, we still have that that history so yeah yeah so 
Um, I wanted to ask you some personal questions, but um, if you don't feel comfortable answering them, you can take a pass. I wanted to ask you um, how this whole thing has affected you, like going to school and things like that. Mm. Um, it's, pro- it's definitely affected me a lot because a couple weeks ago, all my friends' birthday parties were canceled. My school was canceled. I couldn't see my friends anymore. I couldn't go out as much anymore. So, yeah, it's definitely affected my life a lot. It has, I know, and I'm sorry about that. I um, I wish that there was a better way to be able to do this without it um, affecting kids negatively. Uh, but at the same time, um, I was wondering if your teacher had reached out to you or um, maybe the school at all? Um, yeah, um, my class is actually, we just did a Zoom call. Um on Friday, just, um, yeah, on Friday, and it was really fun just to see all my friends, so, yeah. Aw, that's great news. I'm happy to hear that. Um, And also, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, please, continue. (laughs) Um, I also start school next week, online, yeah, definitely online. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So, I was going (laughs) to ask you that exact question. My daughter had the last two weeks off, and I was wondering Mm -hmm. if you did as well. Yeah, Yeah, we did, yeah good my um because of that I haven't been you know making up homeschooling ideas or anything like that and actually the teachers did reach out and say you know we are still going to um try to do some online learning and um then when they had that huge layoff for a lot of the ed or the uh, assistant teachers um Uh yeah I I thought I don't know if that's going to change us being able to communicate so um Uh as of tomorrow my daughter and I if we don't hear from uh their by from the teacher by tomorrow morning we're going to be sitting down and figuring out um you know some things that we can do to keep her up to date and thinking and uh like you're really excited yeah. about talking about the pandemic from the Spanish flu side you're yeah. you're covering science and history all at once and reading obviously so like you're yeah. you're doing so much learning by just doing that so i'm really well i'm always proud of you Marilo- marigold always Thank always you. always um but i just want you to like see that that you're you know this covers a lot of subjects that um and and Sam's in grade seven. Samantha is in grade seven, and uh, I don't even think she's covered any type of uh, flus or pandemics or anything like that yet. So, um, even for me, I have a ton of like books on on vaccines and um, mm. your your body and natural health and. Um, you know, so I, I think I'm going to maybe mm. go through some of that with her so that she knows um, there are yeah. alternatives other than just, um, you know, modern or Western medicine drugs. And, um, uh-huh. you know, and I'm learning down the red road of like sage and sweetgrass and, and how those are our medicines in our world. So, uh, you know, I, I and I can only do a little right? And, and just hope mm, that that yeah. does what it did to you, where you're so excited to talk about these, these concepts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So how, how, how else has it affected you? Like, do you go out and play or what do you do for physical activity now? Um, well, me and my mom, our house has like an exercise machine, um, elliptical. Yeah. So uh, I go on that a little bit to just like exercise. Yep. And also we have a yoga ball. So <laughs> Right on. Yeah, my daughter, she was uh, training in martial arts. And 
so she she's very like strong on wanting to continue doing like planks and sit-ups and push-ups and she does them a little differently than I was taught because she learned it through her martial arts so I'm really proud of her for doing that and um and even for me, I've been trying to start to do some push-ups and sit-ups, and I'm so out of shape, it's not even funny. So I'm going to start working out more because, one, I got time. <laughs> anyway, well, I really appreciate you having me on, or having you on the show for, for my show. Is is there anything else yeah. that you'd like to talk about when it comes to the Spanish flu, COVID-19, or how it's affecting you? Something I just want to include, it's kind of funny. But I really wanted to say it. <laughs> um, two years ago, I also dressed up as a bubonic plague doctor for Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Of course you did. My mom found that. I was like, hey, I really, really want to be it for Halloween. And my mom found a mask at, like, Party City or something. Yeah. So then <laughs> I was the bubonic plague um, doctor. <laughs> That's adorable. I can't even tell you. Like, can you should put that up as your profile pic, or I'll get your mom to send it to me so that we can show our our uh, listeners. <laughs> I'm so happy that you're on my show. I can't thank you enough. Yes, thank you so much. It's been really fun, and um, yeah, it was really fun. Oh, good. Well, I sent you that message about the Spanish flu through um, Harry History thank Harry. You. Yeah. So I hope that you enjoy it and um, connect with Harry because he's online mm. and he's always sending out fun stuff about uh, Calgary's history that nerds like me just oh, can't get enough of. So, um, <laughs> yeah, and you and your mom don't hesitate to reach out. I can't wait to, uh, you know, talk to you more. And if you want to come on my show anytime, of course, you're more than welcome. Thank you. Awesome. Okay, I'll talk to you later. Thank you. Bye. Bye. So I just want to uh, talk a little bit about Harry Sanders because I mentioned him to Marigold and his handle on Twitter is at Harry underscore historian. And his pinned tweet has the article from November 30th, 1997, which is on Calgary's response to the Spanish flu, which is totally relevant, especially when you hear uh, especially politicians constantly say unprecedented and such because like it shows that uh, you know the schools closed and all sorts of things changed as a result so and um, it's also relevant because of the great war but anyway so I also shared this is let's change the subject for a minute um, oh and I, I am I'm trying to talk to Harry I'd love to have him come on the show and talk about it so we'll see fingers crossed that he we can make him come out here but I do know he has a, an article coming out here this week that's going to be uh, further into depth about disease and, and pandemics so if you're a nerd like me and I'm sure you all are if you've made it this far then you'll be excited to read that as much as I am anyway anyway I also shared there's there's a, an NBC video that came out that had uh, the Queen's message on it from Britain, and uh, so I shared it. And I said uh, I share from a friend who wants to remind folks if there are possibilities of system changing, we can question the monarchy being the head of our state of Canada. I did watch the video, and I thought that she might elaborate elaborate a bit on her experiences um, in World War II when Hitler was bombing Britain. Uh, the monarchy at that time had made the decision to stay in Britain and quote unquote share the same fate as the British as their people. 
Um, she didn't really talk about that, but she shared a, a message of hope. But there's a cute picture of her and her sister um, addressing the nation at that time. So black and white, whatever. Um, I share the sentiments that we don't need the monarchy as the head of Canada. The Indian Act is embedded in the Canadian Constitution. So if we are in a position to open the Canadian Constitution because of, you know, the possibility of there legitimately being system change, then I just wanted to mention that if we're opening it, remember that the Indian Act is embedded in it and is the governing tool of oppression against Indigenous people. Um, again, I'll clarify, I don't speak for all Indigenous people. Some people, uh, some Indigenous folks will never recognize Canada or the Prime Minister for because for many, they sign treaty with the Crown, not Canada. For others, they're really loyal to the Queen because they're loyal to the treaty. Um, and then there are others who, um, you know, wore a Canadian symbol on their arm in war, so their grandchildren honor that legacy. So these are things I wanted people to be thinking about at these moments because um, everyone's talking about system change. Now, I hate to break everybody's, you know, burst the bubble here, but historically, whether we're talking plagues, whether we're talking wars, there actually hasn't been a whole lot of change when it comes to, um, you know, major issues like 1920s. It's not like we changed the Western economy, although it would have made a hell of a lot of sense to at the time. Um, so I don't mean to burst everybody's bubble, but it's just that uh, if some magic thing happens between now and the next week where uh, or I die and then, you know, you're listening to this podcast, just remember, I really did advocate for that change anyway. <laughs> Um, so something that I, I wrote a letter on April 3rd to Sutina police, blood tribe and the Calgary police. And I just wanted to read it to you, uh, because for like, I recognize that we're all on different mediums. There are probably people in my podcast world that will never, you know, go on my Facebook or go on my Twitter. And that's okay. Um, the whole point of having the podcast is to, you know, try to hit another target audience in a different medium. So I'll just read it to you, and if you're one of my Facebook followers or Twitter people, you know, I'd love to know if you've seen this or not. So anyway, I'll just read it to you. Oki Naganago Mikochis Chistokomaki. Hello, my name is Red Thunder Woman. My married English name is Michelle Robinson, and I use she and her pronouns. As I type this, I'm listening to Dr. Dina Hinshaw on her daily update on COVID-19, I'm feeling very exhausted from listening to our prime minister, our federal ministers, with an, with an emphasis on Indigenous-related content, our provincial politicians, our municipal officials, uh, with daily emails coming in, and learning of the shocking killing of Jacob Sansom and uh, Morris Cardinal, two Indigenous men, an uncle and a nephew, uh, and on this day, uh, knowing that on this anniversary of the outcry of the ruling from the uh, government of Alberta on the case of uh, Cindy Gladue, I was skimming through the Alberta uh, Hansard from yesterday, hearing from activists, community, fa friends, family, how the new COVID-19 related government policies are directly affecting them. And all while caring for my family with our daughter now out of school, which is the idea of stress that I am experiencing today. I came across a hateful message on Facebook uh, around March 13th of a picture of a post. It is labeled with, um, you know, 416 markings saying, 
I'll go get coronavirus or Ebola and make sure I come to a bunch of reserves and touch everything. Your species will die out, and then my hard work tax money can go towards better things than your free paycheck. And this was from a profile named Brandon Stewart that's listed on Facebook, has graduated from Westgate um, College, uh, Collegiate and a Vocational Institute, lives in Calgary, Alberta, from Thunder Bay, Ontario, and joined Facebook in March 2009. Many folks from the Indigenous community and allies were sharing this awful message. I was grateful to see the multiple posts of that message that no further engagement continued to whomever this message originated from. I also seen our respected Dene Elder post that he was going to go report to the Sutina police, this hateful, racist, anti-Indigenous post going around on social media. I assumed he meant the same one by Brent Stewart, so I thought at this time of crisis, I don't need to act on that further until I have more emotional capacity to act. I chose at that time not to share any of the messages. I knew then how sensitive it was to share an ignorant racist message rooted in historical uh, trauma and in a moment in time where our world was dramatically changing, creating, evolving, and increasing anxiety over the COVID-19 pandemic. That day was the 13th, and it was decided to call off a demonstration planned on Reconciliation Bridge that was in solidarity with the Wet'suwet'en. Every event from a broad range of communities was being cancelled, and that weekend, the health authorities decided to close all Alberta schools for the year. The hate message on social media of Brent Stewart's message could not have been shared at any point worse than that moment. Too many Indigenous are survivors of complex post-traumatic stress disorder. All of us are survivors of historical pandemics from the Spanish flu to smallpox. Smallpox is the sole reason Blackfoot territory was open to settlers. Germ warfare is a real intergenerational trauma in Calgary as a result of the smallpox pandemic. The hate from newcomers, uh, the structural racism of segregation from colonization, and the Indian Act that continues today. Genocide called out in the Truth and Reconciliation Commission's report and the National Inquiry on Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women, Girls, Two-Spirit, and Transgender Report makes online threats referencing elimination of Indigenous peoples very real to the Indigenous community broadly and locally. Speaking for myself, I wish I could educate a person like that, but not. But I also know that some folks are committed to misunderstanding others and are not open to learning something different from their own perceived reality. Unfortunately, the past and present day violence Indigenous face not only give the community the opportunity to brush, brush off threats like this, um, we just do not have that opportunity to brush them off. My hope in writing you today is to show how real, hurtful, anxiety-ridden, trauma-inducing, and stressful these types of messages are to the broad and local Indigenous community. I highly commend the Sutina Police, the the Blood Tribe Police, the Calgary Police Service, and specifically the Hate Crimes Unit to take this threat seriously. It is serious, and it does have consequences that hurt the community at large in an unprecedented time of the COVID-19 pandemic. Please do not hesitate to contact me further. Sincerely, Michelle Robinson, Satu Dene, and Blackfoot Territory in Treaty 7. Um, so, and I today actually was trying to encourage folks, like I posted it, and I it, it's super awful right now because um, I really am not very 
happy with the amount of people that constantly send me um, stupid videos and uh, even stupid emails, frankly, that have nothing to do with my life right at this moment and, and actually doesn't help the community at large because, you know, um, <laughs> you're sending emails when you're putting it on Facebook and you're putting it on social media. So it's available already for other people. Um, anyway, 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 I'm getting sidetracked. So basically what I'm trying to say is that that constant demand of emotional labor is really like the worst time to be asking people of a favor or anything like that. And the, and the reason why I bring that up is because, uh, you know, I, I'm still hoping that people will see that if I was able, if I was able to write that and, um, put that out there that I would like other people to put it out there as well you know because the Calgary police it they are happily taking community statements to let people like the indigenous people in Calgary have that opportunity right now to say how that post affected them and I mean I seen how many hundreds of people shared it um locally let let alone across the country and or across North America and you know, they would share things like, oh, shocking. But if even half of the people that shared those sent in the, uh, a basically almost like a victim impact statement to the Calgary police to say, this is how this affected me, um, that would actually help their case. And I say that because I'm a volunteer with the Calgary Police Service trying to educate the Calgary police on that bigger issue of, you know, <laughs> indigenous settler relations because they don't actually have um, mandatory training they have some training I should just bring um, a member from the from there onto my podcast so they can talk about their training but I can tell you from what I know is that they have um, mandatory diversity training that's a few hours long but it doesn't really get into um, more more depth and there's a, a wonderful Blackfoot Bogani a uh, woman named Cindy Provo that's been on the force for decades now. And she does like a full weekend with local Blackfoot elders and, and does those teachings, but it's, it's optional. It's not uh, mandatory for everybody. And um, those who take it, of course, have a really positive learning experience from it. But unfortunately, because not all Calgary police um, have the funds to put every new recruit in it, um, it doesn't get done. It's an optional thing. So if you're a Calgary police uh, person listening to me, which I'd be shocked and, uh, you know, okay, I'm glad you are. I would just encourage you to consider taking that optional weekend because I've never heard anything but good things coming from that. And, um, and the truth is you have something that a lot of the local indigenous community doesn't have while Cindy does open it up to other people in the community. Um, you get that. And we, we have to really work hard to try to get it. I mean, I couldn't even be, what is it? A citizen, um, person, that went out, I don't know, this must have been freaking 10 years ago already. I couldn't even get on there unless you know someone who knows someone. You can't even get on there. So if you're a Calgary police officer, you have the option to take this. Like, do it. Because you get to have an experience the rest of the community doesn't even get that opportunity to. So anyway, anyway, anyway. Um, I really encourage Indigenous people, if you're listening, to put out a statement 
of uh, how that made you feel so that that way that can be added to it. Um, I had one person very, very graphically told me how it uh, triggered her anxiety and how upset she was from it. And we, I was able to submit that because while I read what I did here, um, the email I actually sent, the Calgary police actually has um, victim impact statements from people who did private message me, but the more the better. Um, and there were non-Indigenous who messaged me and non-Indigenous matter to me, don't get me wrong, but I think um, I had more non-Indigenous people say, oh, I didn't know that. Thanks for letting me know. So that, you know, there's a, a big difference there. Anyway, anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there in case you're Indigenous and you are listening, you know, submit that. You can bypass me and just go straight to the Hate Crimes Division of Calgary and submit that. Uh, but if you want to send it to me and if you want me to even say it, I will, because I want to teach other people how to handle this hate. And speaking of which... Uh, just going to do a quick plug for Pam Palmater. She uh, put out a small podcast about um, trolls, and I loved every second of it, and I really appreciated her humility in it. And, um, you know, I just really encourage everyone, you should always listen to Pam Palmater, one, but you should also um, listen to that one about how to handle trolls. Because I think, like, for example, I, I said I didn't originally share that post because... I knew it was awful and traumatic and anxiety inducing. Well, you know, she talks about how to not re engage and how not to respond as well. And because of the leadership of that Sutena Sutena Dene elder, um, this whole case even started. And and how lucky is that? So if you're a mom who's experiencing hate and you have an email from even a teacher or anyone, that can still be considered hate uh, crime enough to go to the Human Rights Commission or maybe submit to the police. And in this case, the police are looking into it and they have even laid a charge. So the more that we can aid them in getting this to be a solid hate charge, the better. I'm pretty sure it's solid, but it, it also it's healing. Um, you know, I run that Mending Broken Hearts um, case and or uh, course, and I find that when you talk about your trauma and you really verbalize how something makes you feel, it, you heal, you immediately heal. And that's what I learned from uh, all the counseling I did in my 20s. Uh, part of the reason why domestic violence is a thing in my world, I was taught in my family, we don't use our words, we don't communicate, and we certainly don't express emotion. And as a result, what do you end up doing? You end up using your fists in frustration. So I had to unlearn a lot of that in my 20s and learn communication skills. And then on top of that, you know, trying to teach others that that communication helps you, whether it's orally or not. And that's another thing. If, you know, writing out your feelings is not something you want to do, you want to say it orally, then so the hate crimes unit at Calgary Police Service also has an Indigenous liaison, and he would happily take your statement orally. So you know, just don't feel like you're limited depending on, uh, and, and don't feel embarrassed either. And especially if you're if somebody who, you know, has, I don't know, just, just do it. If you're Indigenous, you just got to get used to doing it. It doesn't matter what your credentials are. Just do it. So huge shout out, number one, to the elder in Sutina that went to the police. Huge shout out to the Sutina police 
for actually putting that forward. Isn't that the difference? Once you actually have tribal police, look at the difference. Never has the RCMP been involved in any of this. And as we all know through the other reports, they're like the perpetrators of hate. So, and that's going to bring me back right back to what I said briefly in my letter. Um, the execution killing of Jacob Samson and Morris Cardinal, two Métis up in Northern Alberta. Um, you know, I've been reading, um, Brandy Morin has tweets that talked about it being an execution style killing and been, she's been covering it. And I, I think she did a piece for Al Jazeera or, oh no, Huffington Post. And, and I, I shared it, but, you know, look it up if you're, if you just Google their names and I, I'm just going to say their names, um, and how you spell them so that, um, it's not misunderstood. So Jacob is J-A-C-O-B and then S-A-N, N is in Nancy, S-O-M as in Michelle and Morris Cardinal, pretty simple M-O-R-S-S. <laughs> Pretty simple spelling, but not for Michelle to say. Let's start that over. M-O-R-R-I-S-C-A-R-D-I-N-A-L. If you were to Google their names, obviously this will come up. And look for Brandy Morin's coverage of it, because Brandy Morin um, was doing a really good job of it. And um, and she's Métis in Northern Alberta. So it just makes sense as an Indigenous reporter to follow what she says because she was actually able to speak to the family. And uh, just like in Colton Bushi, the RCMP have already issued a statement in support of the killer, just like Colton Bushi's RCMP detachment did. So we already know how um, they're playing this up and how they're uh, showing the crown uh, the possibility for charges. And of course, it was only second degree murder uh, when it, like their execution style killings. So he he claims the RCMP are like, oh, he's seen a confrontation, which we all know is bullshit because, you know, the, <laughs> a nephew and, a, and an uncle are not arguing when they're hunting because they, the, if you read Brandy's work, you will read that they were just laid off. They were going to go hunting for um, for food for their family. And then this, I don't know, this guy comes up and he, he claims that there was a confrontation. But I think what actually happened was an actual confrontation he created. Because um, if you read Brandy Morin's coverage of the Huffington Post, she has very detailed stories from other Métis who were hunting in the area that have been, um, you know, confronted by whatever these guys who think that they can and this one guy said if I didn't have my gun in my hand I think this guy would have killed me so whatever happened the circumstances I think what happened was poor Jacob and Morris just happened to not have their guns in their hand and this guy killed them and then um you know and and I said this out loud because I couldn't believe the RCMP were we're saying that this is okay because, and, and I just said, yeah, because when I come up to a confrontation, the first thing I'm going to do is execution style, kill them both, because that's going to help deescalate the situation. And you all know who have listened to my podcast for um, up to this point that I talk about deescalation and cultural understanding 
the, the end of every single one of my podcasts. So I never have on any of my podcasts have I said, make sure you bring your gun and make sure you execution style kill uh, anyone in, involved in a confrontation. Those words have not come from my mouth. Um, now they have because some jackhole thought it was perfectly acceptable to kill Jacob and Morris. So um, I'm telling you this because watch the trial. If there is one, the RCMP will probably have screwed it up enough. Then the Crown will be like, eh, no, this isn't really prosecutable. Because that's what they do because we're in racist Alberta. And as a result, well, they probably won't get justice. So Jacob and Morris both have two separate GoFundMes. So I ask you, like, I, I actually beg you, um, while I talk about my uh, patron account, just donate to them. Even if it's only $5, just donate to their, their GoFundMes because obviously we're going to be in another ridiculous situation where the racist justice system in Alberta is not going to be help, helping uh, keep these people accountable. So just wanted to bring that up. But this has now actually gone a little while longer than I anticipated <laughs> because I had a wonderful guest of a Marigold. But I do want, on a more positive note, pun intended, I want to encourage everyone to watch the Phoenix Choir in Vancouver's YouTube video because they took um, Freddie Mercury's Bohemian Rhapsody and they, they changed the lyrics to COVID-19 and it's ridiculous and I promise it is always better to have Freddie Mercury and Bohemian Rhapsody in your head than it is any of the other music in the world. So yeah, just want to put that out there. Anyway, Indigenous have been talking about the issues, sharing our traumas in reports, commissions, and public hearings just so it can be regularly disregarded. No more. Honor the words. Honor the treaties. Listen to politicians and their policies and platforms. If they do not recognize marginalized people in their in their budget with gender equity plus, if they're cutting uh, violence prevention programs and services, Indigenous education, uterus health choices, gay straight alliances, know that your vote to that party directly negatively impacts marginalized people. Demand that they implement the Truth and Reconciliation Commission's calls to action, the recommendations of the Royal Commission on Aboriginal Peoples, the multiple reports on child welfare reform, the violence prevention, and now the 231 calls to justice from the National Inquiry on MMIWG2. Denying those reports is a form of abuse called gaslighting. Our people are experiencing extreme racism in the educational and health institutions with multiple reports that say the same thing. Demand change from the election platforms and politicians. If they do not understand colonialism, racism, privilege, and sexism, they literally have zero business running. This should be understood by all parties or local politicians, community organizations, sports, etc. A great article I read out loud in episode 62 is Truth Before Truth, How Non-Indigenous Canadians Become Allies. So you can Google that. It's really good. Violence is an everyday reality. Every Indigenous generation has faced it. That's why I started this podcast, to speak freely without interruption, without tone police, without leadership shaming, without gaslighting questions, as many people don't want to hear Indigenous opinion, but sure want to tell us theirs. Usually by people who know nothing about Indigenous, know nothing about colonialism, know nothing about the constant surveillance of Indigenous people or protests or vigils in our rights. So I'm just going to stop from right there for a second and tell you, I just tweeted out and reshared on Facebook um, the Wet Sutuin were 
they just put out a live video. And what was it? It was a young Indigenous man who had um, a dirty license plate that took like, you know, three RCMP police vehicles to pull him over with like, you know, 10 RCMP in order to talk about his dirty license plate. I don't know what the result of if he ended up getting a charge or a ticket for anything, but all there was was vehicles running up and down uh, that road allowance and dirt everywhere. And I'm sure, you know, all it was was driving while Indigenous. That's really what it was, or driving while supporting the Wet'suwet'en. That's it. So whoever this person is was like, oh, well, if you're a supporter, if you're native and we're a racist RCMP, well, of course, we're going to pull you over. And that's what they did. So I'm telling you this when I talk about this constant surveillance of indigenous people, this is what I'm talking about. You might think that, you know, we're in a free Canada, but that's your experience. That's certainly not the experience of indigenous people. Just typical microaggressions that people deal with every single day. Um, internalized racism, so people who are gatekeepers that survive off the status quo, or people who are still in their trauma, so they stop people from doing the good work and deplete personal resources. Internal, external racism is an everyday reality for Indigenous people. And it's sad I needed a podcast as a boundary to be heard, but here we are. I hope my daughter and my family will be proud in the future of me trying to discuss these present-day issues in a way that they can understand down the road. I want to continue by putting cultural safety into action so um, you can create a safer place for people who are, are marginalized. Look at it as first aid only for marginalized people, and that's Indigenous people, color, Muslims, those with disabilities, LGBTQ+. Um, first, do something. Having good intentions is not enough. Take action to make change. Speak out against racism. Ask questions of those with more understanding. Find allies and create a support system for yourself so that you can help advocate for culturally safe approaches. Take responsibility for your own learning. Read, reflect, ask questions. Do not expect this learning to come from marginalized people or Indigenous people. Take time for self-reflection. Be aware of your own assumptions and biases. I unfriended someone, um, a long-standing person actually, and the reason why I did was I told her because she was like, oh, I watched this great CBC documentary on, you know, the ice bridge and how there was no indigenous people here 20,000 years ago. So I'm like, ah, this has been debunked like so many times. And I'm pissed that the CBC even has this um, available as a documentary. So anyway, um, you know, she just absolutely disregarded my opinion even though I gave her a link that specifically debunked the very CBC documentary that she watched. And she just totally brushed me off because what the fuck would I know as an Indigenous woman, right? So when I say beware of your assumptions and your biases, if you are that quick to just brush off some Indigenous woman or some Black person or somebody who says racism, that is your bias showing so you need to start challenging it. That's where the time for self-reflection is. Question the things that you've learned about marginalized people or indigenous people and take steps to actively disrupt those stereotypes. Commit to lifelong learning. Be prepared to be uncomfortable. Understanding colonialism and the legacy of racism is an ongoing and difficult task. And I um, want to thank heretohelp.bc.ca of their What is Indigenous Cultural Safety and Why I Should Care About It link. 
Uh, internalized racism or lateral violence is another form of violence indigenous or marginalized people experience by the structure of racism imposed on these lands, like the Indian Act or the Indian Residential Schools or other land clearing policies. So if you go to what is internalized racism, you'll see Donna Bevins talk about it. Um, there's also do's and don'ts for bystander intervention, which I highly recommend that you do if you witness public instances of anti-Chinese, anti-Black, anti-Muslim, anti-trans, anti-Indigenous, or any form of racist, oppressive, interpersonal violence and harassment and what to do. Uh, make your presence known as a witness. If possible, uh, make eye contact with the person being harassed. Ask them if they want support. Move closer to that person. Give them your card so that you can help validate what they're experiencing. Do whatever you can to be uh, safe for you and the person being attacked. Don't necessarily call the police. For many marginalized communities experiencing harassment now, they can't call the police because they actually will cause a greater danger for the person being harassed. Like if I was in RCMP territory, I would not be calling the cops. I would rather die at the end of somebody else's gun knowing at least then it was them and not the RCMP because they <laughs> don't get me started. Um, but the other part is this, is that... Um, like non-Indigenous know that the RCMP will always back them, even when they're the ones being jerks. The sooner you can start recording something, the better. The end of the day, you want to do anything to not incite further violence. You want to de-escalate. If you Google de-escalate, you will see there's lots of tools to help you through that. Silence is dangerous, communicates approval, and it leaves the victim high and dry. If you find yourself too nervous or afraid to speak out, move closer to the person being harassed and communicate your support with your body and teach your kids to be accountable in a positive way. Um, because obviously somebody somewhere taught them it was okay to be a total douchebag. So if you're experiencing emotional distress and want to talk, call the First Nation and Inuit Hope for Wellness helpline at 1-855-242-3310. It is toll free, open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I want to say thank you to my ancestors, my granny and my mom for what strength looks like through your example. I want to thank my dad for being strong and blunt and teaching me to be that way. My stepmom for showing me what a proud culture is through her Austrian family roots and teaching me to be a proud Calgarian. And it's through her I'm a second generation proud Calgarian. I want to say thank you to Darcy for producing and editing this show. On top of being my husband, my childhood friend, the father of our child, and my support down my journey of the Red Road, he has witnessed decades of racism and sexism to our child who we are blessed to learn from daily. We are honored you chose us. You give me daily accountability to be a better and a stronger person. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. I want to say thank you to Adam, Alexandria, Beatrice, Brian, Celine, Diana, Jocelyn, Judy, Karen, Kenna, Leah, Marisa, Natalie, Nathan, Rebecca, The Sprawl, Tiffany, Vanessa, and Veronica. Thank you all for signing up. If you did one donation or you did many and had to quit for financial reasons, please know I appreciate your support. If you value listening and can afford to give, thank you. To those who cannot afford to give but listen in, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com. Send in your comments or your questions. We are also on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And I want to end with giving that side eye to the Calgary Rabbits.
you're lucky you're I'm not tradish. And my beautiful cousin would respond, or you'd be in my dish. Thank you so much.